Hey, Coach Chris Rodriguez here, and welcome to episode seven of the Soulfully You podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about the soul of food, which is something exciting to me because food is such a big part of my culture and a big part of the way I experience the world. We're going to hear from food scientist Herbert Watsky about how cooking food makes us more human. We talk a little bit about gut feelings, and we talk about changing the narrative around the shame associated with food, and ultimately changing the narrative around the shame associated with our bodies. If you like this episode, as always, help others find me by subscribing and leaving a review at your favorite podcast platform. You can find all of my episodes at coachchrisrodriguez.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at coach underscore Chris Rodriguez. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's jump into the show. Hey, friend. Welcome to the Soulfully You podcast with Coach Chris Rodriguez. I'm a movement and mindset coach, and I believe in a deeper way of living, a more soulful way of being. Join me each week for conversations about how to put a little more soul into our work, our relationships, and our everyday lives. As a kid, I didn't realize how foreign my family was because I grew up in a house with them, eating traditional food my entire life. But it was one day when one of my friends from church came over the house. We were outside playing and my aunt Zet, an elder Jamaican woman, fixed lunch and asked us if we wanted some. Now we had been outside playing all day, so of course we wanted some lunch and she made a traditional chicken stew. Me and my brother, we loved it. We, we ate it all the time. And she served us up a bowl. And when my friend got his bowl, his eyes opened real big and he didn't want to eat it. You see, my friend got the secret ingredient that made this stew so good. He got a chicken foot in his bowl. I had eaten this stew my entire life, and never once did me or my brother get the chicken foot in our bowl. So we were horrified. And when we got back to church, my friend begins to tell all of our friends how he came to my house, and my aunt gave him a chicken foot. We were so embarrassed. And I would have situations like this constantly as a kid where I was embarrassed about my culture. As I got older, I began to have a love for it and just an appreciation for the food, for the traditions, and for the ways that my family loved me through a meal. Whether you grew up in a foreign family like mine or not, We all have a relationship with food. What's your relationship with food? 
How has that relationship changed during COVID? How do you cope? How do you self-soothe? Our relationship with food points us to our relationship with our gut. Here's a conversation with food scientist Herbert Watsky as he talks about our relationship with food, our gut, and our brain. So every one of you turns to the neighbor. Please turn your your face to the neighbors. Please also on the balcony. Smile, smile, open the mouth, smile friendly. (laughs) Do you... Do you see any canine teeth? (laughs) Count Dracula teeth in the mouth of your neighbors? Of course not, because our dental anatomy is actually made not for tearing down raw meat from bones or chewing fibrous leaves for hours. It is made for a diet which is soft, mushy, which is reduced in fibers, which is very easily chewable and digestible. Sounds like fast food, doesn't it? (laughs) It's for cooked food. We carry in our face the proof that cooking food transformation made us what we are. So I would suggest that we change how we classify ourselves. We talk about ourselves as omnivores. I would say we should call ourselves cocktivores. From cockery to cook. We are the animals who eat cooked food. No, 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 better. To live of cooked food. So cooking is a very important technology. It's technology. I don't know how you feel, but I like to cook for entertainment. And you need some design to be successful. So cooking is a very important technology because it allowed us to acquire what brought you all here, the big brain. This wonderful cerebral cortex we have. Because brains are expensive. Those who have to pay tuition fees, no. But it's also metabolically speaking expensive. You know, our brain is 2 to 3% of the body mass, but actually it uses 25% of the total energy we use. So it's very expensive. Where does the energy come from? Of course, from food. If you take raw food, we cannot release really the energy. So this ingenuity of our ancestors to invent this most marvelous technology, invisible, every one of us does it every day, so to speak, cooking made it possible that mutations, natural selections, our environment could develop us. So if we think about this unleashing human potential, which was possible by cooking and food, why do we talk so badly about food? Why is it always do and don'ts and it's good for you, it's not good for you? I think the good news for me would be if we could go back and talk about the unleashing, the continuation of the unleashing of the human potential. Now, cooking allowed also that we became a migrant uh, species. We walked out two times of Africa. We populated all the ecologies. If you can cook, nothing can happen to you. Because whatever you find, you will try to transform it. 
this technology affected two organs, the brain and the gut. And the gut has a silent voice. It's going more for feelings. I use the euphemism digestive comfort. Actually, it's a digestive discomfort, which the uh, gut is concerned with. If you get a stomach ache, if you get a little bit bloated, was not the right food, was not the right cooking manipulation, or maybe other things went wrong. So my story is a tale of two brains, because it might surprise you, our gut has a full-fledged brain. All the managers in the room say, <laughs> you don't tell me something new, because we know gut feeling, this is what we are using. <laughs> and actually you use it, and it's actually useful, because the gut is connected to our emotional limbic system. So they do speak with each other and make decisions. As I listen to this talk, I'm reminded that there is a story to food. Think about your traditions. What do you eat every Thanksgiving? What's the thing that you bring to every party? If you're not a foreigner, think about the foreign friends that you have. You go to any Puerto Rican house, any Jamaican house, any Haitian house, any Indian house. Those houses are going to all smell the same. Why? Because they're using those same spices. And where do those spices come from? Where do you get those spices? Where do you get those flavors? They came from a place. And those spices remind you of that place. When you're in a foreigner's house, what do you receive? A special cup of coffee. A masala chai. A meal. In my family, food was a way to tell someone that you love them. When you go to grandma's house and you taste the food and it doesn't taste like anything you've ever tasted anywhere else, what do you ask? What's the secret ingredient? It's love. In my house, those childhood traditions have continued. My wife's a nurse and is working on her doctorate. So I do 99% of the cooking and I absolutely love it. All of my friends know that anytime we take a trip anywhere, I'm going to be the one that makes sure that breakfast is taken care of. When friends and family come to visit me in my home, they know that they're going to be woken up with a cup of coffee, a big breakfast and that I'm going to make a special dinner. I'm basically a hobbit. But I can't act like my romanticized relationship with food is the experience of everyone. The reality is that many of us have a broken relationship with food. Maybe you grew up in a big family and experienced food insecurity as a child. And because of that, you've made these promises and these vows that you're never going to experience that again. Maybe you're a parent who remembers what it's like starting to have kids and things just getting more and more expensive. And you struggled to put food on the table for your family. Or maybe you were subject to the unrealistic beauty standards of society that tells you you have to eat a certain way, look a certain way, and be a certain way. 
causing you to withhold certain things from yourself, not eating enough or experiencing shame around food. If I'm honest, I too have a broken relationship with food. As an Afro-Latino man, I have watched so many men in my life die from issues related to heart attacks, heart disease, or cancer in the gut. As I age, I am hyper-aware that my Afro-Latino body statistically is at risk for all of the major chronic diseases. But our broken relationship with food actually points to a bigger problem. Our broken relationship with ourselves. How often do you notice how you feel after you eat, when you haven't eaten, or just how you feel in general? Our mood and our emotions, we call those feelings. And my girl Brene Brown says it best. We call them feelings because we feel them in our bodies. Let's break that down. There's a part of our brain called the amygdala. And that part of our brain is responsible for our fight, flight, and freeze responses. That's because it attaches the brainstem to the spinal cord. And along that spinal cord, there is a nerve called the vagus nerve. And it is a complex series of nerve endings that start from the brain, that go down the spinal cord, reaching out into all of our major organs and ending in our gut. What my somatic teacher, Resma Menicum, calls it is the soul nerve because it's responsible for gut feelings. Now, there's been a lot of talk lately around not trusting your feelings and not living by feelings. And facts don't care about feelings. But I would like to challenge that because there's something that happens in our decision making, in our experiences, in our encounters that gives us the sense of pause or caution within ourselves. Whether the danger is real or not, that pause helps us to say, hey, maybe this is something I need to stop and think about. Maybe this is something I shouldn't proceed with. Or maybe this is pointing me to something. Our gut, or as some like to call it, our second brain, has some kind of wisdom in it. And through the choices we make and and the food and the energy that we give to our gut, we can help strengthen that wisdom and find connection again to ourselves. For me, food in a lot of ways has this magic ability. It can transport us back and it can help us to tell new stories. And a new story is what we need. So what are some ways that you can transform your relationship with food? 
and tell a different story that doesn't have shame involved. That is a connected story. And that's a story that brings joy and love back into your life. Here are three practices. Practice number one, try mindful eating. In traditions of faith, what this looks like is maybe a prayer of gratitude for the meal before you eat. Maybe you can get your senses involved when you eat. How does it smell? Savoring the taste. Making sure that eating isn't a thing that you're doing while you're on your phone or multitasking, but that you're just sitting and eating and enjoying and being present in every bite. Practice number two, cook a meal with someone. There's something just so fulfilling, not just of cooking a meal for someone, not just of cooking a meal for yourself, but to take the time to gather the ingredients and to have this process with someone else. My wife and I, we've been getting back into meal prepping, and it's just been so fun to be in the same space making meals together. And the last practice is one that I get from my nephews and nieces and my sister-in-law. So they do this thing where they call it a feast. And all the kids get to pick out their favorite food. Usually it's breakfast because breakfast is amazing, right? And they get together and they pick out all their favorite foods and they cook it together. And usually they make it around a, a show or a movie. And it's just a time where there's really no restrictions on what's being eaten. Since there's so much shame associated with what goes into our body and, and this need to restrict, to do this and not do that, it's good to have these moments where the restrictions are off and you can just enjoy what you're eating. This is your invitation to not just give love to other people, but to bring love back into your life towards yourself in the form of food. Thank you for listening to the Soulfully You podcast with Coach Chris Rodriguez. If you like the show, help others find me by subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. And don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at coach underscore Chris Rodriguez. For more episodes, along with all of my coaching programs, visit me at www.coachchrisrodriguez.com. Special thanks to my team behind the scenes. Editing and show notes by Holly Lydiard and music by Dan Smith. And remember, whatever you do, Wherever you find yourself today, make sure you put some soul in it.